This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. Hello, my name is Simon Miller from What Culture Wrestling and you are listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast and you better keep listening to it. Why? Here's why. You're listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast, a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we can produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, CastBox, and all other podcast platforms. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at podmania.co.uk. Let's do this. Mania podcast. I'm your host Rob Gunn. I'm joined as ever by Chris O'Brien and the man that is transformed into the sexiest girl I've ever seen. It's Garth Jackson. How are you, my friend? Dead man walking. <laughs> I would, I would argue Rob, that all three of us are various, uh, like different kinds of attractive and turned into women. Apart from you, because you look like you're 12. But... Yeah, I was just going to say, I look very, very young. Like, <laughs> I, I, look, I look glamorous somehow when I'm a woman. And then Garth looks... <laughs> that sounds so wrong. Wouldn't... Glamorous wouldn't be the word I use, mate. You can still see part of your beard. <laughs> it's a drag king look. Uh, just just quickly, for a little bit of context, um, because I guarantee everyone that listens to this podcast already turned off. Um, so we did, we bowed to peer pressure from ourselves and did the face change app thing where we turned ourselves into women and old men. And Chris looks, I don't know, I wouldn't, like sinister, I'd say. <laughs> um, Garth has turned into Tom Araya from Slayer, which is just absolutely outstanding. And I look four. So between us, it's come out of some interesting. I would argue that Garth is the sexiest. Honestly, I'd argue that even before the. <laughs> oh, well, that's, that's undeniable, Chris. Yeah, look, look, he's a stallion of a man. Distinguished. <laughs> I think that's the. Hung like a fucking donkey as well. I can attest to that. Um, <laughs> so just quickly, what is the stallion drinking today? Um, I have my water and my uh, another few bottles of uh, Bierdor. Bierdor? What's Bierdor. that? I don't know, some shitty little bottles of beer. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough then. Uh, Chris, what are you on today? Water. Bloody hell. Um, what? The Thursday night. It's Thursday night. So? Mate, it's exactly. Thursday night. It's party night. What are you drinking? Generation. I am drinking Amstel, but it is the 66 calorie version because apparently my girlfriend thinks I'm chubby. <laughs> Hang on, did she buy it for you or did she just make a passing comment and you've just taken it personally? In her defense, she did just pick up Amstel because I asked her to pick up Amstel and the 66 was the only version they had. Apparently, <laughs> that, that's the that's the official line, but yeah. I've seen her eyeing up my cookie pouch, I, I know. I know. I, and as do once, right? I was I was walking down the, the cereal aisle, 
and a woman and a man like picked up and was coke pops on like some high sugar cereal and put it in his um car and then his wife came along took it out and put it back <laughs> and he was like what the fuck are you doing and she's like you're getting fat you're getting special k oh no <laughs> not the special k i was a pantsing in front of everyone he didn't like he didn't know how to respond because she did it really like she shouted at your fat you're eating the special cake really oh, loudly height and height of abuse demoralizing <laughs> absolutely crushing oh my god um anyway ladies and gentlemen um to carry on with our theme from last week where we did sort of a round table retrospective about the undertaker as it has been announced that the taker has wrestled his last match and is officially hanging up his wrestling boots for how long we will see, but we're carrying on this week with a classic review of sorts. Basically, we've all picked a match from The Undertaker's quite illustrious back catalogue, and we're going to have a look at them now. We're going to talk about them. We've all watched them. We're going to talk about a bit of the backstory into it and why we've chosen them, things like that. Um, so, uh, I think without talking any more about Asda's Serial Isle, um, should we delve straight in? Let's do it. So, first, uh, we're going to go with Garth's match first. So, Garth, do you want to tell us what match you picked? Yeah. Uh, I've gone for Taker versus Triple H, WrestleMania 17. Um, I forget what year it was. 2001. Oh, that's right, aye. Um, <laughs> how old were we all in 2001? How old were we all? Um yeah. At this point, I was 20. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I was 10. I was 4. Have you legitimately just had to work that out? I'm, ba- I'm, I'm, I'm talented in other ways. Okay. Right, <laughs> um, so, Garth, why did you pick this? It was like sort of height of the biker taker when he'd come back um and it's 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 one of the matches that always gets talked about i mean wrestlemania 17 is always lauded and talked about um this is and i know we'll get into it more but this is one of my, my favorite triple h matches it was like taker always seemed to bring out the most the best in triple h they always seem to have good matches but I don't know why, but I always preferred this match than all the others. And because I think it's just because it was on such a strong card as well, the whole thing. And obviously, you had Motorhead as well, which in <laughs> itself was just fucking amazing. We will be getting into that, absolutely. Um, Chris, I know obviously you were too young to be watching this live as you were like a fetus at this point. Um, you still. My feet, like I'm, I'm gonna be fucking forty when you two are like 105, and you're <laughs> gonna still be calling me a fetus. Correct. The idea of us still doing the podcast in 65 years is quite, <laughs> quite alarming. Like to, I'm not gonna lie. I, I like to think we'd still be talking. We'd, we'd be conversing in some fashion. If I'm not dead. Yeah, through our lawyers, I imagine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Who owns Young Lion? It's no. We'll all be living in a fucking shithole flat together because all <laughs> the horses have kicked us all out. 
<laughs> it's like, uh, we have no other choice. You know, what you're like, have you guys ever seen um, Help, the Beatles movie? It would be like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Chris, what? Sorry, when did you first watch this WrestleMania? What are your first memories of this WrestleMania and this match in particular? Well, um, there was a, I used to hang out with a boy down the road, and um, like I was, well, we'd be like. 10, 11 years old, and he had, like, an unbelievable, like, wrestling um, video library, like, on VHS, because, like, his, like, I think it was, like, his dad or his uncle just stopped caring about it, so gave it all to him. One of them was WrestleMania X7, so I was around at his one day, I had to go back for my tea, as you, as you do, and he was like, here, watch this, because it's going to blow your fucking mind. <laughs> Get him. It really, it so, really uh, does. So I got back and like understand I'd really seen at this point with like 2007 stuff. So like as soon as I turned on turned it on, and I got to the um, hardcore title match, I was like, oh okay, this is different. <laughs> you were like, where's the great Carly? <laughs> in the gimmick power role. But anyway, in terms of this match, my my relationship has definitely changed. like I loved it when I was a kid because. And onto any wrestling and get my hand off hand on as a kid, I probably ended up loving like I loved Royal Rumble ninety ninety seven and massive shit show. But um in hindsight with the other two matches, I'm not sure how much I like I don't mind it, but like a good five minutes of it is walking brawl in the crowd and I know we didn't like and they did something with it for like a minute and then didn't and like the other like 12 minutes of this match around that is great is like great really really good also the build-off is great did you even you watch the video package i did yes <laughs> how does the image of kane holding a mannequin that we're meant to believe is stephanie mcmahon <laughs> <laughs> the unmoving mannequin <laughs> yeah and kane's just there just like not feeling the weight of stephanie mcmahon <laughs> it's just sort of amazing like i just imagine if kane because like Kane's a bit of a volatile man, isn't he? So, like, imagine if he just got bored and threw her and walked off. Well, this all sort of stemmed from a, um, a restraining order that Stephanie had taken out on The Undertaker in the name of Triple H. So, basically, Kane then held Stephanie ransom so that Undertaker could get his match with Triple H. Hence, this happened. And it's it's weird to think that there was a time when The Undertaker and Triple H hadn't faced each other in uh, singles competition, but this was their first singles match, apparently, which I found absolutely mind-boggling. Um, the first time I watched this show um, was, I think it was the year after, so 2002, and I watched that and WrestleMania X8 in consecutive days. And... Um, obviously the big thing about the show that I remember is A, like Garth said, just how stacked this card was. I mean, buried in this card is just an absolute fucking belter of a match between Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit that no one really talks about because of obviously everything else that fucking happens on this show. Um, <laughs> it was one of the shows that made me fall in love with Kane because, as Chris mentioned, that hardcore match is just Fucking nonsense. I know people rag on it. It's legitimately one of my favourite matches. It's a proper guilty pleasure, as Kevin Kelly would say. Um, this match itself, I remember Lemmy. Um, how can you not remember Lemmy? Um, writing a song for Triple H. 
playing it live, forgetting (laughs) forgetting the words, forgetting the melody, forgetting any semblance of a key. Why why singing? Time to play uh, a game. (laughs) Why singing one key, guys, when you can sing in absolutely fucking all of them? Um, Yeah, it it was it was a big big deal, and this match felt like a big deal. Um, Looking at the match, then Garth, um, give us some thoughts on the match, then buddy. Um, it's like well, it's true. Like what Chris says, obviously, you, it's it's like a walk and and walk through the crowd and just for brawling. Um, but I think I mean it kicks off straight away. I think it kicks off before the bell even starts. Of course, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, the tip and Triple H basically goes through a table immediately. <laughs> by accident, I think, where he falls back into the... Is it the Spanish announce table? It is, yeah. <laughs> but at that time, it is literally just a table. They haven't even got, like, a proper setup. Um, It's just... It, like you say, and when they work their way through the crowd, I had to watch it twice, that bit, because I was just like, how like how quickly they get from one part to the top of that scaffold? I was like, hang on, does it, did it jump here? And, the, like, they literally on that scaffold and then one of the most blatant they don't even try to hide the, the crash mat when Triple H goes off the scaffold oh but, god um, yeah <laughs> the, the camera cut is not a kind one there and then that that proper amazing like diving elbow drop thing uh, that Taker does um, I, don't, I just I don't know what it is it's just I always like this match like it's it's not even like especially great match it's weird maybe it was just the time but watching the battles just laugh, like laughing and I think it's everything around it and I mean even stuff like when you look at the crowd and a crowd you can look at the crowd and like sort of guess what sort of period of wrestling it was because for instance this one had a, a, one guy holding up a Triple H is gay sign <laughs> And another one was holding up um, "Suck Me Beautiful" sign, which is obviously a, a, a tribute to American Pie. Um, it's just—I tell you what, what I had noticed, and it was how sort of strong and fucking like how you forget how strong Take used to be when he's dishing out those like one-handed choke slams and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then Hulk Hogan ruined it. <laughs> by falling. Oh my god. That was um, the next year, just to give you some kind of context as well. Yeah. But just overall a good match. Yeah, there's a bit of there's the shenanigans sort of towards the end with the sledgehammer and stuff, but uh I just enjoyed it. It's just a brawl. It's like it's kind of, it's kinda of like foreshadowing for the taker that we ended up getting like now. You, yeah. You evolve further from that. I enjoyed it. Chris, I know you've got thoughts. Um, Well, first of all, I looked up the cage match for um, Undertaker vs. Triple H matches. What I I find funny is that they allowed the random match they had on SmackDown and um, a random tag match they had on SmackDown, but they have not allowed the Australia show or the Saudi Arabia show. I think that's wise. 
no one no one should ever think of those because they were just the living shit yeah but yeah so apparently triple h on like you know when he hits the sledgehammer near the end apparently he actually caught taker pretty bad he did well this i realized when he's hitting the um sledgehammer shots he's hitting it far differently than he does later yeah, on because um basically what happened about wood caught taker I mean, so, to be fair, they were both pissing blood at this point anyway, so it's irrelevant. Yeah, so no one really noticed, but... Take, yeah, take, um, us, take us, like, blood... Like, just seemed to come from nowhere. It did. <laughs> no, that's thing. It, it, came, it literally came from a Triple H era. And, again, we talked about this last week with, like, the Pyro guys. Imagine the feeling when you fucked up in the ring with Taker. <laughs> like, oh, God, I'm going to pay. I think Triple H was probably fine. He yeah. was dating the boss's daughter at the time. Yeah, imagine taking Triple H to fucking wrestle a court and then Stephanie McMahon just walks in. JBL's in the corner naked for some reason. You know, <laughs> I think JBL be the first one to bend over and start taking it. <laughs> <laughs> but for a cowboy, he loves being ridden. Um, anyway, so... <laughs> yeah, like everything around this match is like pure actually fun. The problem is like again going through the crowd. There's only so much you can do when you're in the crowd itself, and when it's and when this match is in the crowd it, itself, which is a good like third of the match. Well, not maybe not a third, but like a good sixth of the match. It does kind of take away from everything around it, which is like it's a shame because like, again, I this is a really good match on like an objective basis, but also. Just it's it's top five of the night, definitely. Right. Let me. I mean, like, what what above? Like, the only things above it would be like Angle, Benoit, TLC, and Austin versus Rock, and like you know, of course, Taz the APA versus Right the Tensor. But <laughs> yeah, this like it's it's grand. Like it's I don't think it's quite as good as the other two. I don't. Like it's amazing, amazing to me that we could pick any match and t- we pick two biker taker matches. But, yeah, I think it's just I don't. I think it's absence. It's because it's never the biker stuff. Always seems to kind of it gets mentioned but then glossed yeah. over. Yeah, because it's it's weird because it's very clearly what he wanted to be doing. The, well, there's a point in this match where it, there was a bit where it's like let's take a turn full heel away, clocks the ref. Because he doesn't come quick enough, so he just fucking knocks him out and stamps on him. <laughs> Take that, bastard! <laughs> and then he's out for five hours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the fact that this match contained one of the longest ref bumps in recorded history at <laughs> over eleven solid minutes. The referee was out for, which I'm all for. You know referee bumps if they play into the finish and you know it's it looks legitimate but 11 minutes you have to hit him with a fucking car for that referee to be out for fit for almost 15 minutes effectively um, i mean that was karen i was only out for like a minute we'll be plumbing that later um <laughs> but when you consider this match only went 18 minutes anyway and the referee was out for 11 of it that's seven minutes of nonsense, which, you know, seven minutes, sorry, with a referee. The rest of it is, you know, 
brawling nonsense, which is great. And I love that. You know, I'm never not going to enjoy a hardcore, you know, heavy beating the shit out of each other match. And with Chris, I think this is probably the weaker of the Triple H versus Undertaker WrestleMania trilogy. But, and I said this before we came on air, I think that is more just how good the matches at 27 and 28 were than this match being a poor match. Yeah. I'm surprised, when again, I think, I'm surprised they never went for any of the Triple H or Shawn Michaels matches, but I guess they've been just been covered to death. Yeah, like I mean, that. they are considered some of the greatest, not just Taker matches, but greatest WrestleMania matches ever, especially the end of an era match in the cage. Um, and, you know, it's it's a bit overdone. Plus, you know, I felt a little bit sorry for this match because, you know, how on earth do you follow the gimmick Battle Royale? You know, <laughs> just how do you follow that placement on the card? The Iron Sheik winning last by eliminating Hillbilly Jim. Honestly, the crowd James... must have been absolutely fucking exhausted. Of uh, um, the reception that one man gang got, OMG, as it were. Um, just yeah, spectacular. Imagine if a keen the African dream came out, we there'd be no chance for the rest of the card. Doing doing the <laughs> arm dance. The weird arm dance, <laughs> like, which was never explained. Never explained. I, I mean, saw I, I, a few weeks ago, I saw the most poor taste but funny thing ever. It was like um, Big Boss Man and Akeem, who were the Twin Towers, and it was just them with the caption, never forget. Oh, God. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Jesus. Um, If we had to plaster a rating onto this, then, Garth, what would you give it? High seven. Okay. I give it eight, <laughs> so we're roughly the same. Chris, you're going to spaff it up the wall now and say five, aren't you? No, I agree with seven. Okay, so we'll give it a seven. Everyone okay with that? Yep. Yeah. Fantastic. Just a quick question before we move on, because obviously Taker finishes this with the last ride. Of the three, power rank now... I'm going to go to you first, Chris, then Garth. Power rank, Tombstone, Chokeslam, Last Ride, Hell's Gate. Okay, so like from worst to best. Worst to best. Okay, so worst is Chokeslam, because like when you're up against an unmotivated opponent, Hulk Hogan, it goes badly. <laughs> um, Never forget. Um, <laughs> controversial, I'm then going to go last, last ride. I like it, but like power bombs are a bit overdone. I think. Like it taking needed to stand out, everyone does power bumps. Um I like I really like the triangle, mostly because two thousand seven to two thousand nine taker is my jam and he wouldn't stop using the triangle because he fancied himself an MMA expert. But like I like how it came from nowhere. I like how it was like a killer, like it almost killed Edge on a backlash. So I'm into that. And then last is like Tombstone. Obviously it's for Tombstone. Garth, what about you? <laughs> Um, I'm going to go Last Ride because he never could really do it without, well, especially like later on, he had to get them in the corner to do it every time. And it just became a bit of a f- fuck on, really. Um, then I'm going to go Hell's Gate because, again, I liked it when he got it in every night, but not as a finish. It was good as like a sort of an attraction move. But <laughs> if 
I mean, how many times did people fuck it up because they didn't know how to put, like, leave their arm out? The amount of times that he couldn't lock it in properly because people didn't know how to take it. Um, how to take it? Hey. And then choke slam because I've always liked the choke slam. And when before it was used by loads of other people, it was like proper finishing move. It was like a quality move. Him and Kane. Um, but their tombstone because it was it was kind of sort of taken away from everybody else because quite a lot of people used to use it. But then I mean, it's a, it's a safer power driver. So. Yeah, I mean, like Owen Hart used to use them. And, very, um, I was taken off him for a very different reason. Well, yeah, but like he used it. I know, um, like oh, like who else used to use it? Loads of people used to use it. But and Bulldog the, used the, to use it. The tombstone is like his move, and the way he used to finish it is just no tombstone. Okay, um, I'm gonna go number four. Uh, last ride um, just because you think Taker and unfortunately you just you, for me anyway you don't you don't automatically jump to last ride it looked amazing when you know when he did it and especially at the height he was as well just how how high they came down when he used to do it on Shawn Michaels fucking hell it was it was like mm-hmm. it was coming from the heavens it was obscene um, if he did that in like the TNA ring if like the Undermaker came into the impact zone. I don't think the ring would be big enough for him to do it. No, the reach is ridiculous. Um, then third, I'm gonna go choke slam, um, which is again quite controversial. I think um, I'm pointing the choke slam there because literally everyone does it. I mean, even before Takey, you got Razor Ramon used to do it, and even now you've got people like Baron Corbin using it as a fucking transitional move. So. You know, it it went through a thing where it was always Kane and Taker, but you know people have used it and will continue to use it as well. I think Jake Roberts used to use it at some point as well. Um, second, I'm going to go Hell's Gate, and yeah, this is for one and for one reason only, uh, because of how 27 finished, and I absolutely fucking love that finish with Triple H, where he tries to hit him with the um, sledgehammer, gets drawn into the Hell's Gate and then can't get out again. I just thought mm. that was just fucking great. And then the one he did on Edge, I think at 24, I think that was really good as well. Um, bit bit, uh, bit flimsy reasoning, putting it in for two matches, but there we are. And then, yeah, top's got to be Tombstone, hasn't it? There's even Kane, um, who, of course, has incorporated it into his moveset, can't do it as well as Taker. Um Kane can't do anything as well as Taker. Not true. Okay, name one thing he does as well as Taker. I can name one thing he does better than Taker. What's that? That is tear doors off hell and cells. <laughs> Tell me that Taker does that better. No, but when Taker uses Tell me hell that Taker cell, does that better. He doesn't, but when Taker Thank does you. hell and cell, he doesn't rip it open. He wants to be trapped inside with his victim. My argument wins. Um. Anyway... <laughs> Let's move on to the second match, which is actually my match. And this is a weird card, by the way. Yeah, I um, I wanted to choose something that wasn't a WrestleMania because you know, Undertaker is so synonymous with WrestleMania with his streak and everything that I just I wanted to choose something a little bit different. And I'd, I've always had this match, and I was saying to Chris and Garth before we came on that I've always seen bits of this match, different bits of this match. And I have never actually been able to see the entire thing. And it's the Jeff Hardy versus Taker ladder match 
from the 1st of July episode of Raw 2002. Um, really, really simple story as well. Um, that basically Jeff fought Undertaker, lost, and then challenged Taker for his championship in a ladder match, um, which I didn't realise that if you lost to the champion, you could then request a championship match. Things have changed a lot <laughs> since 2002. I mean, it's like you've never played here comes the pain. <laughs> um, yeah, simple story, no frills. And then we got what was effectively the coming out as a single star for Jeff Hardy. Um, he just this entire match, rather than being about Taker being, you know, a badass, it was about Jeff Hardy. It was about Jeff Hardy's ascension to the top. And I will say, just before I throw to you guys, this was the best commentary I've ever heard from JR and Lawler. They threw caution to the wind getting Jeff Hardy over on commentary. Even Lawler, who was, you know, borderline heel, sort of siding with Taker, even he at one point was screaming, full-on screaming for Jeff to cry, climb the ladder. So, yeah, re- this is the match that I chose because I just, I, I like the idea of Undertaker being that star maker. Um, Garth, what did you think? I enjoyed it. I loved it. Um, this I'd never seen this before. Um, so, I had to sort of reacquaint myself with that period. So I just watched that episode of Raw. Um, what a weird... I had some questions about some of the matches on this card. It was straight away, though, I remember like that theme tune. It's fucking class. Which Move one's... to the music, play the fucking music. Oh, what a song. <laughs> what and a then, song. And then Nickelback happened. <laughs> hey, there is yeah. nothing wrong with Nickelback. Um, are we gonna have a fight? Um, it was a good match. Um, just, I mean, the fact that straight away Jeff Hardy like hits him with a ladder and then almost kills himself in the process when he does that drop kick onto the ladder. Um, then smashes it. I mean, the chair shots in this were fucking brutal. Um, probably one of the reasons why Jeff Hardy got so fucked up later on in life. Probably. <laughs> the, type of shit, the chair shots he was taking, along with the copious amounts of substance. Yeah, I was just um, going to say, it definitely wasn't just the chair shots, <laughs> <laughs> Um I mean, to be fair, it could have been a, a quite a quick match because Taker sort of pretty much demolishes Jeff Hardy and then leaves him outside the ring and he could just walk up the steps and take the belt, but he doesn't. And that kind of totally, I think that makes the match where Tate could have done that, but he thought, nah, screw this. I'm going to show this punk like who he's stepping up to. Um, like you say, it's it's the making of Jeff Hardy, basically. Um, and it's uh, my favourite spot in the whole match is where Tate goes to get Jeff Hardy up for a last ride and Jeff Hardy grabs the chair and twats him as he goes up for the last ride. Oh, with that was great. Chair. Um, it was just really good. And then, he, and then when Taker's getting up, he absolutely smashes him with the chair. And then obviously um, gets to the top of the ladder and then chokes them off and Taker wins. But just a good match. And I think the fact that Taker goes back, lays him out, 
then goes back again and sort of raises his hand was that's the whole sort of and then straight away from that Jeff Hardy's like main eventer yeah pretty good it, um, the whole thing at the end added another star onto another well another half star another star on it for me um, yeah Jeff's come along Jeff came a long way with these chair shots from the absolute <laughs> piss poor chair shot he gave to Brock Lesnar on his debut um, but yeah, really, really, really savage chair shots. Um, there was the last ride which you were talking about where he twatted him in the face with the chair, which was a great spot. Slightly ropey looking Hurricane Rana um, out yes, of the last ride. <laughs> that, I don't know whether that was just Jeff not getting all of it or Taker just not selling it properly, but it was uh, it was very strange, very strange. Uh, Chris, what was your opinion on this match? Oof, this... Jeff Hart, like Jeff Hardy, is like the 2002 Darby Allen. What cares not for his safety? Cares not for his safety is extremely over. Just oh my, like oh my, like it's weird, but like it's it's slightly sad to, that we didn't see if Hardy could ride this momentum because of course like drugs happened and he fucked off the TNA because you know Dixie was just sort of waving the cocaine. It's like come on, come on, Jeff. Um, but yeah, you know, this just you've all kind of said it all, but like the best part of this match, and basically the only reason, um, not the only, but like the main reason why it's um, so highly ranked in my mind is JR's commentary. Just that call, um, come on, kid, make yourself famous. Oh my god. Oh, it's incredible. Like, even though we all know what happened, we, like, I think. Anyone watching this match will be automatically drawn there because at that point you're like, I want Jeff Hardy to win more than I want my next breath, and then he gets knocked off the ladder because you know we can't have nice things. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. It's insanely good. And when you think about like the other the matches Taker was having for the championship, otherwise around this time, it's probably the best of that, right? Like the only thing one that can be, could be remotely comparable is the Hell in a Cell match with Lesnar, but like everything else is kind of dog shit. I enjoyed yeah. the fact that obviously Jeff chose a ladder match and it's, you know, the match that he pioneered along with Matt and Edge and Christian and the Dudley boys. And they said on commentary, this is Undertaker's first ever ladder match. And I enjoyed how Hardy was doing all these innovative moves, like Garth said, that opening where, you know, he slid into the ladder and hit it into Taker and then they had the drop kick where Taker had to literally sprint forward to make sure Hardy didn't land on his <laughs> fucking head um, but he was doing all these quite ingenious spots with it. he used it as a springboard over the top which I thought was quite tasty but Undertaker was literally just using it to bludgeon Hardy and I thought that was a nice disparity between the two styles. You've got Jeff, who was being very flamboyant and very exuberant off of the ladder and trying to use it in that way. And then you've got Taker, who was just literally using it to try and break Hardy down. Um, Chris, I'm 100% with you. This match is elevated tenfold by the commentary of JR. And to be honest, I must admit, King did a really good job as well because you can tell that he just gets caught up in the match. Um, you know, Jeff insanely over at this point, even with the shitty naughty's blonde hair, which, you know, never forget. He's also got a lot better at his face paint now, hasn't he? Because God knows what he was going for on that entrance. It was just like someone had thrown up green mist at him. Um, like he was going to a rave and panicked and thought, I need to make myself stand out, otherwise I'm not getting any tonight. 
<laughs> you know the Orakai in Isengard where they just put yeah. the white hand on. It looks like he's just put his hand in some green neon paint and just put it on his forehead and just gone, that'll do. Right, time to go and take like, on Taker. It's like um, in China when they want to disrespect fighters, they'll have to fight in Chinese clown makeup. It's a bit like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny, like, because like, watching this, it's basically you, you, you see... Jeff Hardy be made here, like you see it, like with the crowd, the way I mean the crowd went room at the beginning, but at the end, when Taker holds his hand, it's like the crowd are basically told, "Here's your next sort of guy," and then they just buy, like, buy it. It's it funny, it came up on one of GL's podcasts recently, and this, he said there was no, there was no two better people in the late 90s, early 2000s, than Bret Hart and Taker for making people stars. And they said that, like, they were basically the sort of the go-to guys when it was like, right, we'll need to get somebody over. Give them to Bret or give them to Taker. And it was, because um, they mentioned, like, Austin. I said as much as Austin got himself over, his beginning feuds with Bret Hart and stuff was what, like elevated it and gave it legitimacy, and you mentioned this feud as well. The and the Edge as well. Edge sort of went on next sort of plateau when he had his feud with Taker. But it's just you can see the sort of as like good as that matches with um, Jeff. You can see Taker sort of using it to use his own star to rub off on Jeff. It's just <laughs> such a fucking clever. It's just a clever way of doing it. The book is so clever. It should be how it's always done. It's just that so often at the top of the card, you have sort of selfish people who refuse to put people out. Like, it happens all the time. Austin would refuse to put people over, and before him, Hogan would refuse to put people over. Before that, like, I'm pretty sure there's stories of Billy Graham refusing to put people over, etc. It's just... A lot of wrestlers don't seem to understand that if you elevate one person, it doesn't mean you're going to be de-pushed. Yeah. just means there's more people at work with at your level yeah exactly and like look what happens when like the main event scene dries up you sort of get 2012 um not 20 but like 2013 2014 um wwe where like you have to frantically build up like the shield and ryback and people like that because you you've spunked everyone up and whatnot and then like you look at like 1997 when no one but the click was going over and then most of the click left and the one click mem- the two click members were back left with Shawn Michaels who still refused to put people over and Triple H who wasn't allowed to go over. So. I think for me the the final sort of parting thing on this match, is it the greatest in ring match? No, probably not. It's certainly not one of Taker's best in ring matches. I'll be honest, he he looks a little overweight in this match. Um especially when you look at him in this match we're going to go to next um because that's a comment i want to make um when we get to that but for the drama everything that went along with this match the jr commentary and everything like that and that final bit where taker comes in last rides jeff hardy and then jeff hardy makes a mistake of actually talking because a good (laughs) promo voice that boy does not have um it sounded like scotty too hotty Talking Taker. again. Taker! I'm not dead yet! Oh my god, Jeff. I think that kind of, I think that kind of added to it. Hmm. 
Yeah, so the the underdog, sort of that upstart thing that they were playing up to. Yeah, I, I can see that. But even so, it was absolutely hilarious. And I don't blame Taker for running back and blast riding him. It's one oh, of yeah. those... He looked like... He did sound like McLovin from Superbad. He yeah. really did. <laughs> it's another one of those um, examples. And when I was watching it, I was thinking this. I was like, it's like the Hogan Rock thing. Where if you turned off the commentary and the sound, this match probably would have been just very average. But the commentary and the crowd reactions to things, and the and the little gaps, just totally built the match. Such a good sort of package. I think that's a really good comparison, actually. A really good comparison. Um, I mean, I gave this an eight. Um, if I'm perfectly honest, Chris, what did you give it? Eight. Eight. Garth. Eight. I hate it as well. Oh, guys, I love it when women sing. <laughs> um, so we've had a match from Garth's era. We've had a match from my sort of sort of era. My era was um around this time, a little bit later. So we are going to head to Chris's era now. You've already mentioned Chris. Obviously, your taker is you know two thousand seven, two thousand eight, Undertaker. So we're heading to your match, WrestleMania twenty three where Undertaker is taking on the World Heavyweight Champion, Batista, in the middle of the fucking card. I know, right, so very quickly. I remember being really... Con- so this is the first wrestling show, like, I ever saw. Which, by the way, such an underrated mania. There's, like, I understand, like, 27, there's, like, only one misstep on the card. But, like, here, there's un- in terms of, like, missteps, the only real misstep is Cali versus Kane. Everything else is either average or, like, a Divas match in 2007. What do you expect? <laughs> I genuinely thought you were going to give, like, props to Molina versus Ashley Mazzaro. Then I was like, mate, it was an absolute no, dumpster fire, bad, and you it know it. Three minutes, so who cares, right? And, like, it's not like the women's match on 17 was any better. But you look at the Diamonds Cam, like, a solid US title match, two amazing world title matches. One of the better Money in the Bank matches, in my opinion, but um, that one. But like, it's nostalgia there because first match I ever saw, and like random ECW thing. And then Donald Trump, future president president of the United States. <laughs> What's not to like? Quite a lot. There's quite a lot not to like there. But um, this is one of the best, most bought shows ever, and also I love it, and I won't hear a bad word about it. But anyway, yeah, I remember being confused about this being in the middle of the car because like I watched this with. Um, my brother and my nephew he's around our age like he's only like a year younger than us and I was watching it and he, and like the way he was talking like Undertaker and Batista was like the last show the last match of the card so it gets there like an hour in and I'm like that's it mm-hmm. and he was like no. so great about that <laughs> yeah I was about to say no and not that that's like why is why is this so early in the card it's confusing at the time but this match is incredible first of all I want to talk about under um both men's entrance because like both men felt like superstars like oh, yeah. fact, neither man had a special entrance right like both men just made their normal entrance takers was fucking amazing but, like batista's right think about this think about it in like the context of me ten, being a 10 year old boy this i hear like this um guitar music i'm like ooh, i'm invested i mean this fucking monster walks out with like tatties all over him, the most beautiful belt you have ever seen in your life around his waist, and I'm sitting there in awe of Batista, like, oh my god. I genuinely this... thought you were going to say the most beautiful belly button tattoo, then. 
<laughs> no, the belt is still attached. I'm, about the I'm not gonna lie, the belt has definitely helped. <laughs> Because we didn't see that tattoo. Oh my god, that tat. Oh. But 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 like even down to like a simplest again, like he felt legit. Like he oh, yeah. like, to, to maintain your mind, like Batista seemed like the most legit person in the world. That's honestly the first thing I've written down in my notes is um as limited as as limited as Batista was, I fucking loved him. <laughs> he was good. And then um Taker come comes out. Like everything goes black, right? Everything goes black. And then you just hear this bong. Now that's, but I didn't know what the Undertaker. What like at the time I was like, what the fuck's an Undertaker? Bong. Oh my god! Like it's like it's like, it's like probably the first. It's like the first time you hear like the Star Wars thing yeah. come up, or like um, hear Space: The Final Frontier. Like that bong just demands that you pay attention. The final countdown. The first time you hear that. <laughs> And then Brian Danielson comes out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then like, oh my, like it's one of the few times JBL enhanced it because when JBL started talking, it like that line he wears his battle scars, like, oh yeah. And like, I not like, it's, this is probably my favorite Undertaker entrance of all time. He's never looked more intimidating to me. Yeah. Um... Like, like, just. The lighting, like you can't see his face for most it's the of his entrance. It's, it's when he comes up and he's just the silhouette. Yeah, exactly. Like for most of his entrance, so he's, iconic. He's just a silhouette, and you don't see his face until he takes his hat off. And I think that's perfect. Okay, what's better? Um, what? I would argue, um, where you've got the shadow of him, and you've got all the hands coming up, and you can see the hands. I would argue that is a better shot. I think it's splitting hairs, but for Honestly, me, I, I, I think, think that is better. I think that's a better still shot, but in motion I think this is better. Okay, I'm, I'm willing to accept that. I think, I think, yeah, okay, go for it. Carry on anyway. Anyway, um, so then the match starts and it's just a fucking hoss match. You can kind of see where my taste in wrestling came now. Um, just like both men just wouldn't stop hurting each other mm. in increasingly Amazing. Like, I'm surprised this ma- like this match feels longer than 15 minutes, but like in a good way. Like they packed so much in there in a realistic way, and we managed to get a table spot in there for Spanish announced team. And just yeah, I can't talk about this match in detail because my notes are literally just gushing. Going, oh, do you remember when I was 10? Being 10 was amazing. <laughs> 10, and I'm like, yeah, I kind of do. <laughs> but, but oh my god, just like. But to my, without not even without knowing the story of this match was great and I love it and it's probably in my top ten many matches and probably never won't be because it's a it's a special match because like at the time Cena versus HBK in the main event bored the whole off of me because it was half an hour long mm-hmm. so for my ten year old mind this is perfect. God. Nice. Uh, just as context, this was your first sort of match when you were ten. My first pay per view match when I was ten. SummerSlam 90. LOD versus <laughs> Demolition. <laughs> well, to be fair, my first match was like Kennedy versus Punk versus Edris, Finn versus Hardy versus Buck versus Hardy versus yeah. Orton. No, no, but, like, that wasn't my first match. It was my first pay-per-view. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, this is but, just my first introduction to wrestling. But it's, um, yeah, like, to be honest, I'd completely forgot about this match. 
Um, People do, and I quite frankly think that's because, like, this is Undertaker's first great WrestleMania. Oh, Arthur, this is Undertaker's second best um, great um, Mania match, and it's come as and it's the like, first one where like that became a tradition where like the best match of the night would be Taker, like happened here, happened at 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, even 29, up until 29, like from here to 29, he'd have the best match on the show. And like that sort of started that look mini streak and people don't talk about that, which is disgusting because this is better than the edge match. So you can see because of who he's against, like Batista comes out looking like an absolute monster. You can tell Undertaker's put the extra work because he comes out looking like an absolute monster as well. Mm-hmm. He, he is ripped. Um, he does not want to be done. Oh, no, that's the thing. Like, he's more in shape here than he's ever been. Yeah. I mean, they even mentioned that. Like, um, But also, it's fucking hell of a tan. It doesn't, <laughs> it's, it's not right. <laughs> he's more tan than Batista. Toasty Taker. Yeah. Well done, Taker. I'd actually wrote down as a joke, like just putting, uh, was this just after the um, Elimination Chamber match? But, <laughs> it's um, just a bit bird. Yeah. Um, same as you, though. It's like, it, it's like you say, it's just a couple of big dudes just leathering the shit out of each other. And there's no real, there's no real story. There's no uh, let up. There's not really any sort of, sort of gaps. And <laughs> apart from when they're absolutely both absolutely blown up. That makes um, sense. Though, and like, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Batista's character isn't one to like go in and go, right, I'm gonna well, target. Well, that's me. the thing, it's like, take us had to take him at his game because basically mm. Batista just runs at 100 mile an hour for 10 minutes. Yeah, he d- he's, he's racing done... the ultimate warrior thing, but better. Yeah, but he's done his damage. So, uh, well, I did laugh where uh, mentioning the entrances, Teddy Long doing the entrances. <laughs> yeah, that was weird, wasn't it? Like, genuinely um, expected him to say at the end and now you got a tag team match with yeah. the Undertaker player <laughs> MVP comes out because we desperately need a tag team player yeah um, it's just really good I mean um, there's one spot that I've always liked for Taker and he, he still does it he does it all the time it's when when he gets like sort of clotheslined over the top rope and he just stands there yeah that's like, amazing hits the floor stands there and just pulls him out I love that I don't know why it's such a simple thing but it just makes him look like such a badass. Um, and that... Something you can do is that a smaller person. Uh-huh. Like, like, if Rey Mysterio did that, he'd be like falling forever. <laughs> but, he'd be um, able to like... do a couple of backflips before he touched the wall. Yeah, but also, like, so little big men do it, so little of them have balance. So, like, this yeah. sort of show takers have left athletic ability while still keeping in character. It's perfect. And that, um, the bell table bump as well. Ooh, and then he took Jesus. out Lillian there. It's actually very quick. There's this uh, after this match and um, going forward, there's this perfect little thing mentioned. Like for the longest time, when Taker was champion, he wouldn't wear the belt because earthly things are beyond him. Really? So he doesn't care about the earthly thing. Nice. Like he started wearing the belt after this match, but <laughs> this was just, a, just a really, just a good. Yeah, like just. A good match. It's a really, really good take a match. A really good. It's probably one of Batista's best matches as well. Um, I'm trying um, to think what might be better for Batista. Is there anything better? Cena. The Cena match at uh, 26, I think, is about par. I'm not gonna lie. I did really enjoy his match with um, Triple H last year. That was a really. Good, I thought that was really good. like a lot of people said it was boring, but like if you go into Triple H matches knowing it's probably gonna be the long, longest on the card, you'll have your fun. Um, I'm trying no, to. I, just, I know there's another was, one I love. 
And it's going to annoy me. This was just the perfect big dude match, yeah? Yeah, there's like two big men pounding it. Who can ask them up? Um, well. Yeah, I. this is probably my, in my top five, Undertaker WrestleMania matches. Um, oh. I think it's, it like you say, it's a 15-minute match where you don't stop for breath. Um, you've got Batista literally opening up with a spear onto the Undertaker. It doesn't stop Go from back. there. <laughs> um, you've got Taker taking an absolutely horrendous bump over the steel steps, knees first. No one should ever do that. Oh my God, that looked awful. Um, you've got... <laughs> JBL was great throughout this. I'm with you 100%, Chris. And then I believe it was Cole who said that Undertaker has learnt all his all his moves from the two dirtiest players in the game, from Triple H and from Ric Flair in his time in Evolution. I was like, hang on. I'm sure he learnt some dirty moves from Reverend Devon. Let's let's not forget <laughs> Reverend Devon here. What you learn from Reverend Devon is that God can help you. <laughs> Testify. Um no, I, I love this match. Um, you're absolutely right. Taker looked shredded to shit. It's, I, I would say that's probably the best shape he's ever been in. And then to see the difference from 2000, and I know it's five years, but the 2002 Undertaker where, you know, I mentioned he was a little bit potentially overweight, which, you know, is a criticism he had when he was the uh, when he was big evil, um, to then look at this and just the iconic entrance with the druids and just the chanting to start off with you take uh, batista did a great job of selling just how fucking terrified he was during that entrance <laughs> they zoomed in on his face and it was a proper like what the fuck is this and what have i got myself into um yeah really really good again i gave it eight stars i'd say that out of his streak matches the only ones that top it for me are michael's at 25 and 26 and probably triple h at 27 28 i'd argue this is fifth yeah um like this is like honestly anyone's gonna probably rank um unless they're a masochist who enjoys a mark henry match um but that's they're probably gonna rank for triple h on michael's match in some order and then like in in that section it's either gonna be the edge match the punk match or the um of this match so yeah i think you know they're the sort of established top matches and then of course you know number one is obviously bray wyatt at wrestlemania 31 because everything's better with a bit of bray wyatt in it apart from that match because it was (laughs) shit um again i gave this a high eight i gave i I gave this a nine because my childhood (laughs) uh high eight nine yeah Okay, I've been overruled, and nine is absolutely fine by me. Um, so, yeah, um, those are our three matches that we've reviewed. We could spend, you know, like we've said before, we could spend podcasts upon podcasts upon podcasts delving into The Undertaker's history and, you know, his WrestleMania matches and the streak, and maybe one day we will, but it's it's not today. It's not this day. Um but yeah, in the meantime, thank you so much for listening, guys. We really do appreciate it. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, all those good places, we are there. You can go and check out the website, www.podmania.co.uk, where you can check out all of our match ratings, including the three matches we've rated tonight. 
and all our podcast archives are all up on the website. You can also check out our pay-per-view pickums, where Garth has finally, after what seems like about 400 years, actually got one right. So congratulations to you, Garth. It's pure fluke. <laughs> um, you can talk to the podcast on Twitter at, at Podmania. Join our Facebook group uh, at Podmania Podcasts. Uh, you can talk to me on Twitter at, at Real Rob Goodwin. Garth, where can they find you? At Garthamania. Uh, Christopher? At Anna Kendrick 47 I don't know if that's real or not. Um, no, that's Anna Kendrick's Twitter. <laughs> is it? Why is Anna yes. Kendrick Anna Kendrick 47 Because I'm going to assume someone took Anna Kendrick. <laughs> I imagine you'd be gutted. <laughs> Anna underscore Kendrick. Um, <laughs> okay, so yeah, sure. Go shout out Anna Kendrick. Why not? <laughs> Um, thank you so much for listening guys and we'll talk to you guys again soon you've been listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast follow us on Twitter at Podmania Facebook at Podmania Podcasts and YouTube and Instagram at Real Podmania and check out the website podmania.co.uk until next time wrestling fans wrestling fans